Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're beginning a study of the Gospel of Mark. Today is episode 918, and today we're looking at Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Let's read the passage. The beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John wore a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, One who is more powerful than I am is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the opening statement of the Gospel of Mark. Before we dive into it, let's talk a little about what we're dealing with. First off, who is Mark? Because generally we look at the books in the New Testament as coming from apostles, but as also people associated with apostles. And we actually know quite a bit about Mark. We see him throughout the New Testament. In the book of Acts, Peter had been arrested, and then an angel came and rescued him, released him from the prison. And we read in Acts 12, verses 11 through 14. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's grasp and from all that the Jewish people expected. As soon as he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was called Mark, where many had assembled and were praying. He knocked at the door of the outer gate, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer. She recognized Peter's voice. And because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing at the outer gate. So what do we know from this? Well, we know that Mary has a large house because people gather there and it has a gate to it. But Mary is the mother of John Mark. and That is who's written our gospel, Mark, John Mark. But we see Peter going there as soon as he's released from prison, because that's where many of the Christians hang out, but he's known there enough that the servant girl, without seeing him, recognizes his voice. So we know right there that John Mark knows Peter personally. We know a little bit more about John Mark from uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians. In Colossians 4, verse 10, Paul's closing it out doing greetings. He says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you greetings, as does Mark. Barnabas's cousin, concerning whom you've received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. So we know that Mark is Barnabas's cousin. We know that he had this relationship with Peter in Peter's first letter, 1 Peter 5, verses 12 to 14. Peter says, Through Silvanius, a faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly in order to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, as does Mark, my son. 
Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Well, the reference to Babylon is probably Rome. So we think Peter is in Rome. And it seems that Mark is there in Rome with Peter. And this is very close to the end of Peter's life. Peter's probably executed in Rome around the year 65 or so. But he calls Mark, he says, Mark my son. And that's the way Paul often refers to Timothy, Timothy who he led to Christ. So did Peter lead Mark to Christ? Or is he just does have such a close relationship that he refers to him as my son? So we know he has a close relationship with the Apostle Peter. There's a reference in Mark's Gospel, Mark 14, verses 50 to 52. This is at the arrest of Jesus, where all his disciples flee and run away. So then they all deserted him and ran away. Now a certain young man, wearing nothing but a linen cloth, was following him. They caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth behind and ran away naked. Most people believe Mark is referring to himself here, much like the way John refers to himself in the Gospel of John. He calls him the disciple whom Jesus loved. So it's traditionally this young man, a certain young man, Mark is actually referring to himself. So he was there when Jesus was arrested. In Acts 12, Paul and Barnabas traveled from Antioch down to Jerusalem to deliver a monetary gift for helping the famine relief in Jerusalem. And then as they're coming back, we read in Acts 12, 24 and 25, but the word of God spread and multiplied. After they completed their relief mission, Barnabas and Saul returned to Jerusalem, taking along John, who was called Mark. So we have Paul and Barnabas traveling together and bringing Mark along with them. And then they go out on their first missionary journey, Acts 13, verses 4 and 5. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. From there sailed to Cyprus, arriving in Salamis. They proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. They also had John as their assistant. But something happened, and Mark left them, Acts 13, 13. Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. But John left them and went back to Jerusalem. Much speculation on why he left. Did he chicken out? Did he get sick? Whatever it was. But Paul didn't like it because later in Acts 15, verses 36 to 40, after some time passed, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take along John, who was called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to, do, to the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed. So there, Paul and Barnabas actually split up because of the disagreement over John Mark. And Mark goes with Barnabas to Cyprus. And we never hear another thing about Mark. No, no, we actually do. Because just as we saw at the close of Paul's letter to the Colossians, he says Mark was with him in Rome. 
Similarly, the letter to Philemon, Philemon 1, 23-24, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner of Christ Jesus, sends you greetings, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. So it refers to Mark there as a co-worker with him in Rome. Then at his second imprisonment, where he's close to the point of being executed, he sends 2 Timothy to Timothy, asking Timothy to come and visit him. He says in 2 Timothy 4.11, Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. So in Paul's final letter that he sends to Timothy, the final writing we have of Paul, he's asking for Timothy to bring Mark to him. So we see Mark quite a bit there. He has a relationship with Paul. He's part of Paul's ministry team at times, but he's also closely associated with Peter and with Peter in Rome. Now, nowhere is Mark mentioned as the author in this gospel, but it's generally been accepted pretty much universally that this is the gospel of Mark. In fact, in Eusebius's church history, he has a comment here about Papias. Papias, who lived about 120, 130 is probably when this would have occurred. So Eusebius says about Papias. The elder also said, Mark was the interpreter of Peter and wrote accurately, but not in order, whatever he remembered about the things which were said or done by the Lord. He neither heard the Lord nor followed him, but later, as I said, he relied upon Peter, who adapted his teachings to the needs of his hearers without setting forth an orderly account of the Lord's saying. Therefore, Mark did not err in writing various things as he remembered them, for it made it his first priority not to admit or falsify anything which he had heard. So according to Papias, who's basically the next generation, he says all this is Mark's gospel, and it's basically reporting what Peter had told him. So in many ways, we could call it the gospel of Peter as told by Mark, but it is Mark's recitation of what Peter had taught him, and I'm sure what others had taught him also, because he was very close to Barnabas, very close to Paul. Now, he doesn't say where he is writing from, but most people believe he is probably writing this from Rome. It was probably the early 60s, maybe shortly before the death of Peter, maybe shortly after, it's hard to say, but probably about that time frame, just based on things that weren't mentioned some of the persecution of Christians that occurred and the, the destruction of Jerusalem that probably would have been mentioned had he written the gospel after that. Now, this is a gospel. And what's a gospel? Gospel is not a biography. It's not a biography of Jesus, about the life of Jesus. It's not history. It is a gospel. It is its own literary genre because the purpose of a gospel is not to give a lot of information. The purpose is to elicit faith, is to cause people to have faith in Jesus Christ, to believe in Jesus as the Savior, to turn their lives and become followers of Jesus. So that's the nature of gospel. That's the purpose of it. So it is its own literary genre. And this is his gospel. 
let's dive into it. Verse 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, when Mark says gospel here, he doesn't mean the gospel of Mark. He means the good news about Jesus. Because the word gospel literally means good news. The Greek word is euangelion. Eu, E-U, means good. Angelion means news or message. Where we get the word angel from, messenger, angelion. And so it is good news, the good message. Later in Old English, it was the good spell, right? Good story, gospel. So when he says gospel, he means the account of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Verse 2, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Now he says written by Isaiah, but it's really it's a combination of Malachi 3.1, Exodus 23.20, and Isaiah 40, verse 3. The voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. That's Isaiah 40, verse 3. But he just lumps it all together and makes this combined quote because. He's just basically saying, and the Old Testament talks about one coming to prepare the way for the Lord. And who is it? It's John the Baptist. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ begins with John the Baptist. Verse 4, John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So he just, without any introduction, just pops in John the Baptist here and John comes baptizing. Baptism was not something new. He did it a little bit differently. Baptism just literally means immerse, dunk. The Greek word is baptizo. And if we just translated it, it would be dunk. And so he would be called John the Dunker. Baptism was something that the Jews had for a long time. They had these baptismal pools, but you immersed yourself in it as a part of the ritual cleaning. But to have somebody else dunking you was a new twist on it. And he was doing it for the repentance of sins, asking people to repent. And then he baptized them, adding some ceremony to that repentance. Verse 5, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now he's using some hyperbole here. The whole Judean countryside, all the people of Jerusalem. Well, that's just normal language. That's what we would be saying. Everybody was there. Was everybody? No, not everybody. But that's just the way we speak. Verse 6, John wore a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. Now, he's not just saying John was a strange character. This is the imagery of Elijah the prophet, one who was sent when the people of Israel were sliding off the deep end and the Lord sent Elijah to call them back. Verse 7, he proclaimed, One who is more powerful than I am is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the straps of his sandals. He's speaking to the coming of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 8, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So he's just laying the groundwork here. This is the beginning of the gospel, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. And it begins with John the Baptist, sent by God, 
to proclaim the coming of the Son of God. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the Gospel of Mark.